0: Thank you for the download, for the stream, hopefully for the subscription to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I bring it to you free each and every week. And the only thing that I ask of you is that you go out of your way just slightly, just a little bit, to help us out. Here's what you can do. Number one, make sure, if you're not already, that you're subscribed to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast so that you get this show every single week, anytime it comes out, sometimes twice a week. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever podcasts are available, it's there. Hit that subscribe button. The other thing that you can do for me that I would really appreciate is go on iTunes and leave a review. I leave, I I, I leave. Yeah, I write them all. I read all the reviews, so if you could do me a favor. And you could leave one with five stars, a nice review. You want me to start reading them on the air? I will. But tell me you want me to read the reviews on the air by leaving a review, and I'll read it in the reviews. It's a good way for you to communicate with me, and I'm going to communicate with you by starting this show.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts.
0: Here we are. Same bad time, same bad channel. You know what it is. Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's a wrestling podcast done by a guy who, after all these years, is still just a big old wrestling fan. What can I tell you? I can't shake the stuff. I love it. Some people call me an optimist. Some people call me a shell. I just hope you'll call me a friend. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's going to be a fun, fun show this week. A lot to get into. Now, uh, uh, our interview this week is a little on the short side, giving you fair warning now, but I thought it was worth doing. You know, we deal with the the time constraints that we have. I thought it was worth doing, and I thought it was newsworthy. So, but I wanted to make sure that I delivered for you. So here's what I'm doing this week. Uh, Our interview is with Big Cass. We'll get into that in a moment. Following that, of course, the bridge segment, and then an extended state of wrestling with my guest Wade Keller. So we got an extra guest to make up for the fact that uh, our interview segment is a little shorter than most weeks are. Um, and I hope that you uh, that you will appreciate that. I try to I try to make good. That's what we try to do here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Uh, as I said, a lot to go over this week in state of wrestling. There's actually a couple of show notes. ...that I want to talk about in the bridge segment. So make sure that you listen to that this week. Uh, But before we get to any of those places, we start with the interview. The same place we always start here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. The interview. And this week, it's Big Cass. Uh, I haven't heard much from Big Cass since he went down with an injury the night after SummerSlam. If you guys remember, the night SummerSlam, he wrestled a match against the Big Show with Enzo inside a cage. I don't know if it was the greatest match of all time, but... I did enjoy the spot where Enzo greased himself up and slipped out of the bars of the cage. The next night on Raw, he wrestled a match against Enzo in a match that I thought was going to be kind of the end of the Enzo cast thing. This was before the Enzo that we know today. This was when, this was before bad guy Enzo that everybody hated, which was actually making him really, really good and and making 205 Live something newsworthy. This was before that. This was when Enzo was really just there to get beat up by Big Cass. And it seemed like it was going to happen once more. To me, as a fan watching, I thought to myself, this this Big Cass-Enzo match, the night after SummerSlam, is the transition, the transition match, which is going to lead Big Cass into whatever is waiting for him after this. Unfortunately, for everybody involved, Big Cass went down with an injury in the middle of the match. Uh, you could tell going back and watch the tape, watching the tape. It's really, uh, it's really a, a nasty thing to watch. Not just because of the injury, but you can see the emotion on Cass's face. You can see what it's done to him, how how pissed he is about the whole thing. And I don't blame him. Uh, but he's been rehabbing. He's been at home for, I guess that makes it what September, almost two months now. He's been at home. Not really a peep from him. Uh, But he was at Ringside Fest. I go to Ringside Fest every year, Ringside Collectibles, which is a great wrestling figure website. Uh, And we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in the segment right after this. But it's a great wrestling figure website. They put on Ringside Fest every year where they have uh, an autograph session with some major WWE superstars. This year it was Finn Balor, Big Cass, Alexa Bliss, and Braun Strowman. Uh, And I went down just to check it out Say hi to everybody I love all the guys at Ringside Obviously I love all the WWE guys involved So uh, I went down to say hey And I ended up In the green room of Caroline's Comedy Club Where the uh, autograph signing was taking place Big Cass had a couple of minutes While Alexa Bliss was finishing finishing up Some things that she had to do with Ringside Before they split So we had the opportunity to talk for a few minutes About everything that was going on And I said, you know, Cass, if we're going to catch up Let's catch up with some microphones on, huh? Let's put some mustard on that catch-up. Is that a thing that makes sense? Uh, Let's do it. Let's turn the mics on so I can share this with the people who download Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast every week. And he was more than up for it. And, you know, getting getting injured is tough when you're a WWE superstar. You know, you got to go through all the trials and tribulations of your career. People talk about your spot right? That's my spot. You People talk about their spot in this world of sports entertainment, and one of the reasons it's so cherished is because it's not guaranteed, and so when you're on an upswing, you want to do whatever you can to stay in that spot, in the limelight that you're in, and sometimes you're not in control of that, and that's exactly what happened with Big Cass when he went down with this injury. Um, so I wanted to talk to him, I guess, a little bit about that, but more about how he's doing, what he's doing with his time now that all of a sudden he's got this free time um, and when he might be back. And we got into all of that and more over the weekend at Ringside Fest and I share it to you, share it with you now. Big Cass, here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And now, the
1: Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview.
0: Here we are, it's Ringside Fest 2017. And I'm with the man, Big Cass. As always, Big Cass, what's the haps? What's the haps? Uh, just
1: hanging out, interacting with the fans and yeah. back in New York City.
0: Well, I see. They're bringing you flowers and stuffed animals. And... None of this is for Alexa Bliss. <laughs> this is all for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah the
1: flowers were uh, Man, they were great.
0: When you're doing an autograph signing with Alexa Bliss, is there any sort of, like, a little attention for me? Because I'm sure everybody's bringing her gifts and everybody's trying to, you know, like, bring her flowers
1: and... Yeah, everybody just kind of wants to, you know, chew the fat with me a little bit, get an autograph. Hey, thanks. How's everything going? But she gets all these bouquets of flowers, teddy bears, cakes. It's like, wow,
0: it's too much. Yeah. What have you bit. been? What have you been doing uh, in your time while you've been injured? Because you always, you know, hear about that schedule, and I think we've talked about the schedule before. It's even when you're in NXT, right, yeah. with the Performance Center. It's like every day, every day, every day. When you're on the road, mm. every day, every day, every day, mm. and then. Then you're injured, and it's like, obviously, rehabs every day. But other than that, yeah. you're at home, man. What are you What are you doing with yourself?
1: So I uh, just bought a new house in Tampa. so, oh, yeah, right. so I'm, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so pretty much I'm rehabbing twice a day, and then I'm training with Rob McIntyre. That's John Cena's trainer, uh, getting back in shape uh, lifting-wise. And then kind of just hanging around the house, fantasy football. I'm brushing up on my Spanish, so when I come back, I'll be a little better at Spanish.
0: Oh my God! That, yeah. That's all. Aw- that's that's a and that's more so you can you can be that guy because WWE is a worldwide company. You'll...
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I took four semesters in college, uh-huh. and I was after that fourth semester, I was pretty good, but I haven't had any practice since. So just going back and trying to brush up on it and that's trying to get good at it again.
0: Yeah, and I would imagine, yeah, hearing that is probably the company is probably like. Yeah, this is exactly what we want out of somebody who's making the, making the most out of his time, right?
1: Yeah, just trying to maximize my time. I mean, I do watch football on Sundays and play PlayStation, so yeah. it's not all. What you are you know. playing? Uh, I just play yeah, Madden or I play the show. Football guy? Yeah, I just play as my I create myself and then make myself the best player in the world. <laughs> Break every record.
0: You know, there is actually a video game where you could play as you're, you're already in the game.
1: Oh, that's true, yes. <laughs> I do play that from time to time. 2K18? Yeah, yeah but uh, Big Cass is, you know, he plays for the Yankees, and he, play, and, he, <laughs> and he plays for the Jets, and, you know, he's doing pretty good right now. Yeah. He's in the beginning stages, though, so I'm trying to become like a Hall of Famer in both sports. So you got to put the Jets on your back, right? Oh, uh, no, the Jets are doing pretty well in my, <laughs> so far in mine. In I'm in, in my game. third season, yeah. Okay, all yeah. right.
0: So, so what, but you're not, you're, not like, you're not watching Stranger Things?
1: Not watching Stranger Things. Uh, I'm catching up um, watching Billions, Uh, Uh, That's a great show. Catching up on Thrones. Uh, I'm way behind on that. Um, And then I was very, very passionately into the Yankees. They, you know, had my heart. They had my attention
0: for so long. And then, like, now that's gone. So now I have to fill that void. A lot of Yankees fans were saying that because of the the road the Yankees were on, that because they weren't supposed to be in that series at all, this was supposed to be a rebuilding year, that everything was icing so that it wasn't that bad when they lost by – I still feel like that had to be heartbreaking. I
1: guess that is true. Even in the in the one-game playoff, uh, when Didi hit that home run. I'm yeah. surprised my neighbors didn't call the police when he hit that home run. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I won that, and it's like, well, we got to play Cleveland, so I'm expecting this to not go well in yeah. the first two games. And then they came back and won that series. And then it, we got so far where you could say that it was just like, uh, well, you know, it's just icing. But, man, uh, when you get that far and you're up 3-2, you had one win away from the World Series, and – they lost. It kind of you kind of felt like they belonged. They right. should have been in there. Right. Because uh, it hat- becomes a Cinderella
0: story, right? It's more now. It's more than just icing on the cake.
1: Yeah. Now we're the Cinderella story. But you got to give credit to the Astros, man. Going down three-two, back home, and Verlander just shut the door on them, and then Game yeah. Seven, they couldn't hit. But yeah, I expect great things in the future from the New York Yankees. But yeah, I really, I really going back to Houston.
0: I thought that they had it. So do you watch WWE when you're out, or is it like? A little too much. Like, I, I keep aware of what the product is. I know, like, for instance, when I'm doing radio, right, and yeah. I can't go in for a week, yeah. I don't like to listen. Like, I don't like to listen to shows I'm not on because – not because they're not doing an awesome job because they are, but because, you know, I'm, I'm not there.
1: Yeah, I told myself when I got hurt that I wasn't going to watch, uh, but every Monday I just find myself 8 o'clock. Too <laughs> I just have – I mean, I've been a fan my whole life, so yeah. I try to stay away from it, but uh, I just – I have to watch. So, do you have do you have any visions for what the what the cast comeback is going to look like? Every day, man. You I, do. I, yeah. Driving to, to rehab, and while I'm at rehab, I have many many visions. And do you just, write them
0: down, like you have a notebook of like
1: they're all here. Yeah, they're all here. Yeah. I uh, just we'll see what happens, but I have plenty plenty of visions for how I want to return and few people I want to you know make an impact. with. Yeah, yeah,
0: you do. What what is that like in your head? Because obviously, like I watched. And I kind of, and it's probably because, you know, we kind of, we know each other a little bit and like, as soon as it happened on Raw, I think some people thought it was part of the storyline, but I could kind of see in your face that like, yeah. oh no, like this yeah. is, this is real life. And, and eventually I think you kind of let go of everything and just said like, I'm, I'm, I'm in this moment and this sucks. Yeah. So what, what is that for those of us who have never, you know, had an injury like that? What is, what is the moment feel like, do you know immediately? I knew immediately when I hit the floor,
1: I felt it pop, I heard it pop, and then when I got up, it just couldn't put weight on it, and uh, I knew right away, and then I told the ref, I tore my ACL, but I think I could finish, and that just didn't happen, the second I collapsed, he told me to get out of the ring, and that's when reality set in, the second I rolled out, all I'm thinking is, eight to nine months, I'm gone, like- You knew. I was on the way up, I just defeated the big show at SummerSlam, things are- I'm rocking and rolling, and, and, and to me, and the
0: Enzo match was obviously like that was the end of that. That felt like the end of that story. Like we're doing this now to move on. To, yeah. I, I thought that in my head, the story was now you move on to the next thing, and that's why for me, I was like, yeah. no, 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 not it's, now. Now it's just
1: a huge setback. That's all I was thinking was is a huge setback, man. And uh yeah, just I was just very angry, very emotional. That's who I am as a person, man. Like you know big cast is going to be emotional in that situation and me as a human being aside from big cast is going to be emotional in that situation so that's just how i reacted i was very angry very emotional and uh just the thought of just i always wanted to 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 be here to be doing this finally on my own things are rocking and rolling i'm on the way up and then this happened and all i'm thinking is is eight to nine months on the shelf and i that's just uh so I am, man. I'm an emotional person. I just got I, emotional. I, was I, I very, get it. Yeah. I mean
0: you're a guy too. It's like you, you think <clears> about <throat> it, you're a competitive guy, you're an athlete, and, and your body is your tool. So for this moment, not only are you not in control of what of your atle- of your athleticism anymore, you're not in control of your body, it all gets Yeah. All you can do is get frustrated. Yeah. But but as a fan, as somebody who grew up watching this, do you also flash forward and think of all the kind of successful comebacks that have happened after stuff like this because there have been a lot of people who get that and they're on their way up but it's almost like when they come back they get to be a step further because fans are aware Mm. of the potential that was there
1: yeah i mean i just got to come back bigger better stronger than ever and that's the goal right now is just getting in the gym rehabbing coming back better stronger than ever and that's just how i want to come back make an impact just kind of right off the bat boom you have to right yeah
0: yeah, I mean, there's also the thing of like you know, as a guy who who was cemented as a tag uh, as a tag superstar, to have this time really, I think, is going to allow you to come back as this is Cass mm-hmm. Singles, Cass, 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 Cass. Yeah, does Gives that make me, sense? Yeah, yeah, for
1: sure. It sets me apart for for a while. Uh, kind of just breaks away from that tag team guy in people's minds because now they're not seeing that and. It definitely uh, it will do that, but it's definitely very unfortunate that I'm not not around. Although you're not going to miss TV time because you got Total Divas, right? <laughs> That's true. That you're on true. this season of Divas. Yes, I am with Carmelo. Yeah.
0: What is it? Are you are you ready for that relationship to be as public as Divas makes relationships? Yeah. I mean, I, guess I mean, I signed are... up for it. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'll be out there. Was that weird for you to be a reality show guy? It was very weird for it, me. Right? Yeah. I is. can't imagine having
0: cameras on you. All the time.
1: Yeah, very, very weird for me. But, you know, I'm sure this season is going to be a hell of a
0: season, and I'm sure me and Carmella are going to add to it. Yeah. yeah. Do you think people are talking about a Ms. Marie spinoff show? Would you want to do a Cass spin spinoff? <laughs> we'll see. Only time will tell. I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. Well, uh, Cass, uh, I'm glad. It
1: looks like you're doing better. Yeah, I'm in way better spirits than I was back in Barclays Center. That's Good, sure. good. Yeah. And do we know – around when you might be healthy enough or is it one of those things where the I'm, rehab just I'm, I'm right on schedule from what the surgeon said so should be
0: shortly after wrestlemania oh uh, yeah. well still it's it, it's 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 gonna happen it's gonna yeah. be soon and uh i appreciate you uh sitting down man thank you very much i thanks appreciate lot, you. you here is sam roberts as always thanks to big cast for being a part of the podcast and for taking some time out uh and talking i you know it's one thing to Sit down and talk to me a little bit, but to, to talk to all of us is something that I always appreciate in the superstars when they do, but especially in a situation like this, just giving us an update on uh, what to expect with Big Cass, and I do feel like he's one of those guys that, based on where he went out, he could come back. I mean, imagine if Big Cass just comes back, just looking Shaq Diesel, better shape than he's ever been in, surprise return, big boot somebody out of the ring. Night after WrestleMania, night after Extreme Rules, whenever it is, just shocks the world. I think it could be cool. I think it could be cool, and I think there's a lot of uh, potential. Big Cass is a good dude. I will tell you that. Everybody always asks me who's the biggest who's the biggest asshole that you've ever met in wrestling. I don't know, but I can tell you this: Big Cass is one of the really good dudes that I've met in uh, in the uh, sports entertainment business. He's it's just. He's a good dude, and I uh, I hope for the best for him. Uh, I, I did want to uh, actually ask you guys, and you can tweet me your responses uh, as to whether or not you'd be interested in this. But, you know, I've been a, 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 I have been was thinking about this as I was at Ringside Fest, and I've been a, a wrestling figure fan. I've been a collector of wrestling figures since I'm a little kid. I still am. I had a wrestling figure newsletter. It was my first online wrestling thing when I was in, like, middle school typing out a newsletter of all the wrestling figure news that was going on that week. Um, All kinds of stuff like that. So my question is, I probably wouldn't put it just on this podcast. But let's say once a month I put out something on the podcast feed that was themed specifically towards wrestling figures, WWE figures, stuff like that. Is that something you guys would be interested in? Would you want me to talk to other people? Like if I got the Curt Hawkins and I just sat him down and we just talked about wrestling figures, is that something you'd be interested in? If I had the opportunity uh, to talk to one of the head head designers from Mattel to talk to him about the WWE figures, is that something you'd be interested in? If that's something that you guys would be interested in, let me know. If it's something you're really not interested in, let me know uh, because, you know, not every wrestling fan cares one bit about these silly little action figures. So I do, obviously, but I uh, I do the podcast not just for me, but for you as well. So let me know, okay? I, I'm kind of uh, enjoying watching Monday Night Raw specifically right now, but I guess Raw and SmackDown, because these things that I say, they happen, of course. And they're not exactly the most difficult predictions in the world. But of course, as I thought, Shane McMahon and Kurt Angle both announced for Survivor Series this year. They'll both be they'll be wrestling on the show, as is not a surprise to me. I thought that those two would be the team captains. Um, but even bigger news: How about on Monday Night Raw, Braun Strowman beats up The Miz. Now I tried to tell you guys months ago that this Braun Strowman was a good guy. I guess it took living in a garbage truck to uh, convince you all that he was indeed the hero. Maybe not that we wanted but the hero that we deserve. That's who Braun Strowman is. Um, I'm I'm happy that he's shown his true colors and that he is this hero. I don't love that The Miz is his first victim. I feel like The Miz is so good right now, it's almost taking advantage of how good he is to make him the guy, because that's what he kind of does. He's consistently making these good guys look better, and I guess that's the job of a bad guy, but I would just love it if, if he would, at some point or another, really go on a run of just of, of of beating people and winning stuff. Oh my God, my uh, my my Siri's been on this whole time and it's transcribing what I'm saying. I should just be doing that. I should just be doing that the whole time. It'd be way way easier to transcribe these podcasts. I just could just send you guys the newsletter. I get my old wrestling figure newsletter email list. And I'll just, I'll just email you guys the copy of whatever Siri said I was saying this entire time. By the way, if you want to support the podcast more uh, than the way we talk about in the beginning of the show, go to notsam.com slash merch. First of all, there's a beautiful redesign right now over at notsam.com But if you go to sam.com slash merch, um, you will see all the t-shirts, including the brand new ankle flipper t-shirt from the from my figure-it-out days, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirt, Not Sam t-shirt, they're all available over at notsam.com slash merch. So check it out. As far as an update on the the new studio goes, the Not Sam studio, I am, as usual, recording right now from that studio. Uh, It is fully functional as a recording studio. I am putting the finishing touches on it right now to make it a fully functioning live internet video broadcast studio. It's going to be very, very exciting when that goes down keep checking my social media. As soon as it's, as soon as I have everything worked out, I'm gonna post a picture of what the studio looks like. Because what I get worried about is, you know, I'm putting everything together. Let's say, you know, one wire doesn't work or something and it takes me two weeks to figure out which wire that is. Well, two weeks ago I posted a photo of this studio and everybody's like, hey, what happened to that thing that you said you were gonna do? Well, I've been looking for a wire I finally found. So, once I have everything working, I'll post a photo. I'm going to start doing some test runs, and then, I mean, in no time, before the first snow falls, we will start having our first broadcast here from the Not Sam Studios, something I'm very, very excited about. I'm also very, very excited about getting into everything that's going on in this crazy world of sports entertainment uh, with Wade Keller. So let's get into the state of wrestling, huh? Wade Keller, my guest on the state of wrestling this week. Let's start the thing, huh? It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. So welcome in. It's State of Wrestling time. And uh, I've said it. I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times. One of my favorite people to talk about wrestling with is back on the State of Wrestling this week from the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, the man himself, Wade Keller, is here. Hey, man.
2: Great to be back, Sam. Same to you by the way.
0: Well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that because you've been talking about wrestling even longer than I've been talking about wrestling. So that's uh crazy. <laughs> that's yeah. quite a compliment coming from you. <laughs> so I guess uh I there's I there's a lot to talk about, mainly WWE centered this week. You know, there's the I, I feel like outside of WWE it's just the general conversation of what is competition and how does it build, but that isn't you know, and we could maybe we'll get there at some point in the conversation. But in terms of of what's happening now, uh, I think we'll start with the news that broke over the weekend of the releases, Um, uh, Summer Rae and Darren Young. Actually, I was looking, I just realized right before we started recording, uh, I was looking at the superstar list on Raw to kind of think about who might be on their Survivor Series team or whatever. And I was surprised to see that on the Raw superstar list on the WWE.com site, while Darren Young is off, Bob Backlund is still there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we may not have seen the last of him.
2: I, you know, imagine Bob hearing the news and then he like goes to WWE.com, and he's like, am I still employed or am I tied to Dar- Darren Young? And he's like, woo, I'm still employed. And then he realizes, wait, I haven't been used or received a check in how long? I guess it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's regardless at this point. Um, but, you know, I think uh, Darren Young and Summer Ray while unfortunate, not a surprise to anybody, just based on the fact that they weren't on tv it's kind of you know i guess it's just the way things work summer Rae, it's weird because summer rae has been around a little bit lately i mean she hasn't been on tv or in house shows she hasn't worked or anything but she's been at a few shows and she hasn't talked about you know leaving or not being a part of it so i, I kind of thought there was some kind of thing going on there but i suppose not um and you know I
2: I, I honestly time had to go to the Wikipedia page to remember the last time I saw her and what she was involved in. It it was like this hazy memory of her coming back and then just fading away. So Did she have yeah. one of
0: those brief comebacks?
2: Well, I guess what a, two summers ago, uh, the the Ziegler thing? Oh yeah. And, and but even that I was like, "Oh yeah, that didn't really
0: stick with me." Was, <laughs> so Was she ever was she drafted? Yes, actually, she was. Yeah, that's. Um, I she thought was drafted, I remember, but never used. I thought I remembered the last. That's that in my in my in my mind. I thought that the last time that we saw Summer Rae was that she was drafted, but she wasn't. There, there wasn't. It was just like her photo came up, and that was it. And, and was she on SmackDown?
2: I. Uh, she was drafted to Raw.
0: Oh, Raw. Okay. Yep, well, yep. I guess Raw lost a superstar then. But uh, yeah, Darren Young and, and Summer Rae was uh, unfortunate, but not a surprise. But I think Emma surprised a ton of people yeah you know for a few reasons one being that she was actually really good but also that she was being used you know it's not like she was the the epicenter of the women's division but it, it, finally building a little bit of depth in that division um she was a, a big part of it i thought on raw and the matches that she had with Asuka at the pay-per-view and on raw last week were both Competitive matches, It was like you know, Oscar's match this week on Raw, which you know was fantastic to me, which was just Oscar you know kicking the crap out of a out of a, a female enhancement talent. But that wasn't the case with Emma. Emma at the pay per view and on Raw made you believe that the possibility that she could this could be a swerve and she could win this match yep. was real life.
2: I I I was. When I saw Emma got released, I was like, "Well, if they knew this last Sunday, then shame on them." Because I really thought Asuka should have had a match, e- even if they were going to keep Emma. And I and Emma's Emma's a good worker. I think maybe she had some good. She obviously had did good work in NXT. I thought her offense sometimes looked a little floppy or sloppy, that more than it needed to be um, on the main roster, and that might have been used against her, despite her reputation in NXT. But she was in the top half of the women workers for sure. But her character wasn't portrayed as a serious badass title contender. Her character was kind of comedy relief, delusional. And I just thought with all the buildup for Asuka and the idea that we can take this this female talent, world renowned, great reputation, given an undefeated streak in NXT, retired NXT as champion to move up to the main roster, that just doesn't happen. Yeah. With anybody. I thought, okay, they know she can't cut promos. You know, that's not going to be her thing. That's Alexa Bliss's thing, for instance, or Carmella. That's not her thing. Her thing is going to be, she's something special. And I thought they're getting this right. And then I thought, well, of course she's going to defeat Emma the way that she won Monday night on Raw against the jobber. That's what I totally thought was the logical common sense thing to do. And instead, like you said, we got a quote, better match and Oscar got to show more of what she can do, but I think it undercut this notion that she's putting the women's division on notice that everybody in the top 20%, whatever, I guess that's two people, but you know what I mean, the top 20 or <laughs> sure. 30% of the women's roster, that's who's gonna be her competition. It's you know it's, She was gonna be the Golden State Warriors of the women's division, it's just play time against the bottom two thirds and it's gonna take someone in the top third of the roster to compete with her. I was really surprised they put her out there and, and against someone who's not a top tier championship level portrayal of a of a contender and had her go even Steven and just wrestle whatever it was, six, seven, eight minutes with her. I love the match on Monday, but I think that should have been her premiere.
0: I thought that I actually my favorite version of Emma was awkward Emma, like popping bubbles Emma, because I thought that when she was awkward Emma, it made up for any real life awkwardness. In the ring, you know what I mean? Like, because I, I totally th- agree, and I yep. thought I thought that the, she made the character really work. I, I always loved the entrance where she would kind of, because she would always do something that looked real, like she would fall into the ring or do whatever she did, but would always <laughs> land on her feet. Like it, it, yep. at the end, and it always came across as oh, for somebody to pull off this level of awkwardness, but always land on their feet, they must actually be very athletic. Um, but but I, I I guess I was just. I was just generally surprised unless it's one of those things where at the last minute, it was a last minute decision. It was sort of, uh, we've been toying with this idea. We weren't going to do it last week, but Oh, screw it. Let's do it. You know, who knows?
2: I I asked around, you know, somebody suggested, well, Nia Jax took time off. Is it related to a personal issue with them? And I had someone who would know, tell me outright. No, has nothing to do with that. Um, I, fished around were their attitude issues and I didn't hear anything about that. Like it, it surprised me. And I, I, I haven't checked in the last day or so, but her only public comment initially was just a, a broken heart icon on Twitter. So it made it seem like, you know, it wasn't her decision. Um, and that she was heartbroken, but that, you know, you can only read so much into a icon on Twitter, but that, yeah. was, that was, that's what it said to me. And I felt she deserved better. I thought she was uh, a, a good utility player. And in the, the delusional, you know, that kind of the delusional social media character I thought was was good. I mean, it, it worked, but I agree with you back. I just think her initial kind of clumsy character that lands on her feet was something where Vince McMahon might go, I don't get it. And then the hmm. writers are like, OK, we'll move on from that. I don't want to you know, die on this hill, so to speak. So, right. you know, it's just sometimes you're at the whim of does Vince get it or not get it? And I think she was the victim of a lot of character changes. I'm I'm curious if she, you know, lands somewhere else, if she continues you know, wrestling and trying to put together a living because I think she's got name value and a good reputation in the ring. That she seems like somebody who would be able to make it on the Indian international uh, uh, free agent circuit, I guess.
0: Well, that's the question, right? I mean, I, she did tweet one other thing, and it was something to the effect of "the best is yet to come," implying okay. that she that's wasn't, yeah, implying that she wasn't done wrestling. Um, yeah, I, and and that question, you know, I tweeted out something like, "I think that Emma's going to be able to do really well." you know regardless of this I think she's going to be able to go out and do well and I think that and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the idea of there not being actual competition but more of everything combined becomes competition like there is this other wrestling world outside of WWE that's kind of blossoming at the moment and while there hasn't been you know a couple people tweeted me that there isn't a place like that for women that that might work for men, but not so much for women. And I think that that's because there hasn't been a woman to do it yet. But I do think that there is a scene for women. You know, I think that you look at people like Ruby riot, for example, who's in NXT had a, a huge and great reputation on the indies. Candice LeRae is still on the indies, but you know, doing shots for NXT, but has this sort of amazing following. And there are, specialty cases, but I think that if Emma is strategic about it, and it would take a lot of strategy, but I think if Emma were strategic about it, because she has a lot of fans and she never in a lot of people's eyes quite reached her potential in WWE, regardless of who's whether that's her fault or anybody else's, that doesn't matter once you're gone because you now have this potential to become sort of the working man's hero and she could do what Cody did for women yeah. i don't I don't think another guy can do exactly what Cody did because Cody already did it, but I think that there's room for a woman to do what what cody did
2: and and you know Shimmer's got their hunter show coming up sometime yeah. soon uh later this year and I mean I'm not saying you can make a full- time living there, but there's uh the the may young classic gave TV exposure to a lot of women and uh, you can put the stamp on the indie poster as seen on the Mae Young classic. Mm-hmm. And I, the, the key would be to find that, that, you know, one, two or three other women who have that name value where an indie promoter says, you know what, if I say these wrestlers are on the show or I put her, their picture on the poster and tweet it and Facebook and Instagram it, can I, is that a better investment of my limited but talent budget than another male indie wrestler. And if she can make that happen, um, I I think she has a good, I think she has a better chance to make that happen than most because there's just not a lot of women who, because WWE went through the, let's have them, you know, do obstacle courses, demeaning obstacle courses to earn their jobs. And will do they look like they can do a Playboy shoot? That generation is over, but those were mostly the the women who disappeared. They weren't really wrestling people at their core. They were models using wrestling to get somewhere else. Yeah. And, uh, and so, if now we have women who come through the NXT system, who the ardent fans who support indie wrestling respect, and now they start to get displaced because Vince wants to bring in fresh, you know, fresh female names who are less tainted by WWE's poor booking of some of the women and give some people a fresh start, uh, some of those women are going to have value on in the indie scene. So, we might see a new generation, a new era of some free agent women actually being able to do, like you said, kind of a Cody Rhodes type thing of, and, and, you know, can you, can you mix and match dates domestically and internationally to put together a good living and then do what Drew McIntyre did right? and and get WWE's attention where they go, wow, she's she's actually serious about this. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to watch.
0: I think at the end of the day that, that would, and I, it is for most men, too, that would be the goal is to prove that you can make it without WWE so that the WWE invites you back, right? Like prove yeah. that you can make it without WWE so that way you don't have to. Um, Yeah.
2: And I mean, obviously, there are people who just want to make a living during their active wrestling years working for themselves. They don't want to be part of the machinery. They don't want to be a cog. They want to have creative control. They're entrepreneurial. They're willing to you know, book their own dates, negotiate their own prices, book their own flight, all that stuff. But that's not for everybody. And obviously, for the vast majority of people, other than maybe the Young Bucks who make more on their own than they would with WWE or Cody, you know, probably is making more than he was there. Yeah. um, The upside is. Hook into WWE, get a 10, 15 year run and get into the, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand dollar range um, for a, a majority of those years where you can pack some money away. And, and that's obviously the main goal of people who are choosing between indie and WWE. What's the attraction to WWE? Being famous, being in the major league, getting exposure on TV that can be invaluable, but pack away some money.
0: Right. And let's be honest, too. I mean, once you're on WWE TV, once you can't wrestle anymore, you're not physically able to you've got a whole other separate income source even if you're not top star I'm going to go do TV or whatever the money that you're going to make at autograph signings if you're in WWE is you know once you're old is going to uh, uh, eclipse what it would be had you never gone to WWE I would think right I agree with that um and what do you think of of intergender wrestling cuz to me I don't have a problem with it specifically but I think that something that is going to be key to women uh, excelling on the indies and having runs like we're talking about is that they get away from that a little bit not because it's inherently bad but because I think it becomes such an attraction match that even though it's portraying women as more athletic than the sort of pillow fight mud wrestling thing was because it's still an attraction it's still that sort of sideshow element, you know, and you talk about classic matches, you talk about the stuff that Candice LeRae and Joey Ryan have done together, the stuff, all those matches, while great matches are not ever going to be that headline match that you can do over and over and over again, and really create this, this, this legacy for yourself outside of WWE. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah. I I think I think that if you are, you know, China, um, you know, uh, you have uh, you're just physically imposing that there can be a novelty to that. If that's not the case, then I think it has to be a comedy match or a very special circumstance where it just seems like physically the right matchup. And I think the female has to be the babyface, The male has to be the heel. The male's got to be cocky about it so that fans look at this as this guy is so inferior to her but so arrogant about it that she's gonna she's gonna show him up and i want to be there to see it what about the what
0: about the mixed tags though that have gotten more popular lately where where you don't abide by the classic mixed tag rules where you can have you got a man and a woman on one side a man and a woman on the other side but there's no rule about who can or can't get tagged in
2: yeah I, i mean just as a general principle i don't like it but i think you can in a very specific way tell that story if the components i just said gotcha. are part of it gotcha. yeah so it, it, it's a novelty it's a cocky inferior male wrestler who's uh just needs to be put in his place it was like i mean you know percy watson on nxt two two, two weeks ago um made a comment uh about uh, how oh she tapped out uh, uh in an mma gym tapped out a guy once and made like this big deal out of it like Oh, can you imagine in an MMA gym a woman tapping out a man and I right. was just like that happens every day in MMA gyms. Like it's not this isn't, you know, professional boxers in the same weight division. He acted like that was some big deal. Like I think people are are smarter than that when it comes to the ability of of women to compete with men in certain contexts, but I don't think that they're ready to watch women against I, I think you're turning off potentially turning off more people than you're than you're gaining by having men in the ring punching women in the face. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, just put it to put it bluntly, uh, it's it's not an MMA exhibition of of a submission hold where it's like, oh, it's, you know, I mean, I took judo and it men and women interacted. I took karate and sparred against women who oh fought me and were bigger than me and stronger than me when I was a teenager, too. So it's like that happens every day in in martial arts schools. But in a wrestling ring with the kind of violence that's inherent, I think you have to be really careful with it.
0: Do you think that uh, the amount of returns that we saw on Raw, because what are we talking about here? Bo Dallas, Stephanie McMahon, Samoa Joe, uh, Nia Jax, you know, we saw a lot of returns on Raw, kind of all at once, kind of a little bit out of nowhere, even though you know, like the Bo Dallas and the Nia Jacks were a matter of weeks, not this long played out. But still, it was a thing that people were talking about. It was noticeable that all those people were off TV, and they popped back on out of nowhere. Do you think that that was done deliberately? Because okay, the internet knows, like people know that we lost superstars, specifically Emma. Let's give them a let's give them a tidal wave of more people. Or do you think? what i think which is it was probably more just coincidence in the time happened i think it was happenstance yeah me too
2: yeah yeah i mean Bo Bo Bo's healthy enough to show up and they didn't really make a big deal out of him being they didn't talk about him being gone at all yeah uh joe was healthy and they looked at the you know depth of roster which has nothing to do with summer ray and darren young or really emma and he's ready and this is a good week to reintroduce him um and get him back in the flow of traffic on on raw so That made sense. Braun, I mean, I assume was timed out from having nothing to do with cutbacks. You know, it made sense for him to live in the trash bin for eight days and then pop out. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Um, You know, that's about how long you can survive, I believe. I looked it up on Wikipedia. Eight days you can survive on trash before you have to actually come out to the real world again. Um,
0: Unless you you get thrown in a recyclable truck, in which case you're screwed. (laughs) Because there's nothing to survive off of in a recyclable truck. Yes.
2: Well, I don't know. I guess you're supposed to rinse out the cans.
0: Right, yeah, that's but true. But not everybody does. So. Yeah, so there is a little bit of sustenance, maybe.
2: And people do get mixed up. I think between uh, um, not mulch. What's it called when you throw it in your garage and a bunch of and it recycles itself and dirt?
0: Oh, oh, uh, 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 compost. Compost. Yeah, I yeah. No, right. that's yeah.
2: true. So maybe some people get composting and uh, and and recycling mixed up, and you can maybe survive an extra week because of that.
0: What did you think of Braun's big return? The fact that he was in the garbage can or, or in the Ugh. garbage truck for a week and a day. And uh, and that they went, which WWE does sometimes, and I kind of, I don't know, I get a a, a kick out of it almost, but it, almost like in a in a kind of ridiculous kitschy way when they start to go really cinematic uh, uh, with their shots, like you know, the, like you yeah. you you obviously now you have cameras set up, it's not like this moving cameraman that's just kind of a part of it that's almost acting as the audience's eye, you've got a hard cam in the limo and then a cam pointing down to get to braun and a cam on the, on the thing. Like it's shot like a movie, which goes back a long way. I, I, I never, never have forgotten the shot at uh, halftime heat when the mm. rock and mankind wrestle in their empty arena match. And that closing shot of when the forklift was coming down on the rock and the camera is on his face on the forklift as it's coming down, and the rock has this like horror movie scary oh no face that it's just this close up thing on it. And it was so not wrestling, but like campy horror movie. Um, how did you feel about it?
2: I think it's stupid, yeah. and I wouldn't do it. And I am uh, vehemently against it because one, I think it is so campy that it undercuts the immersion in the story that you're telling otherwise. Um, I think there's a reason when Braun Strowman was power slamming Curtis Axel over and over that you look in the crowd and there's people standing up smiling and laughing. And and I just don't think I don't think that's what WWE should be going for. Um, I'm not sure if it is what they're going for, but when you're throwing in people's faces that we break our normal cuz there's they're not consistent about it and they're I wish, I wish they just kind of had a meeting and decided what the, you know, if you, if you write a, a, a fiction novel, you know, you learn this in fourth grade, mm-hmm. you know, there's first person, there's third person all knowing, and there's third, per, you know what, it's been a while, but you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. different narrative structures. WWE, it's like, they need to go to fourth grade creative writing class because they don't every, they, bra- it, they brag on television. We're longest running series, more than Gunsmoke and The Simpsons. It's like, if you're going to compare yourself to that, <laughs> then like kind of stopping amateur hour
0: when it comes to your narrative
2: structure it's like one of because, those things
0: when it when it when a sitcom goes through like four different showrunners and so every season the, the show is completely different and you go what am i watching i don't understand
2: yes and like you know modern family you get the glimpse at the camera uh in the office the presumption was it's a documentary right on and so so looking at the camera made sense because the characters are aware of the camera so if you have that built in, you can. But WWE is just sloppy and indiscriminate because they think they can get away with it. And and, and to a certain degree they do because you can't measure how much it takes away from the product. I I, I don't find it endearing. I don't I yes, you can chuckle at it, but I, I think it's bad for business. And the the camera in the limo, in the midst of bronze return, for not everybody, but I think a sizable percentage, everybody went from, oh my God, Miz is gonna get it. I think this is bronze comeback. They went from that to. How how did a camera get in the limo? How did they know to put a? How, that's crazy. Like yeah, you know it takes you out of the moment, and it's not worth the corny, over the top facial expressions of Miz, which he's good at. Instead, have like it's, if there wasn't an easy solution and it was the only way to tell the story, then I'm like, okay, I gotta let go of this. You know, there just it just it has to be that way. It doesn't though. Mm-hmm. Miz, all he had to do is be backstage after the main event, and you can have Cole or uh. Yeah, Cole, I think it was a film. Cole, just say, um, okay, we're about to sign up, but we hear there's a ruckus backstage. Let's cut backstage. Let's let's stay with this another minute. So you have that sense of, ooh, something's going on out of the ordinary. It's not planned. It's not pre-taped. And then there's Miz, Bo and Curtis. And Miz is like, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Um, somebody said there's a a, a a garbage truck pulling up outside. I'm scared. Let's get out of here before he gets in here. And the cameraman chases after Miz. So now we know why the camera's following him. He right. gets in the limo. Right. The dump truck pulls up. The window and the limo is down, and the camera does its job and and points inside, and you have Miss freaking out, and the camera bounces back and forth between the limo and the dump truck. And, and then we so- have the sense of it's it's unplanned, it's spontaneous, it's it's a cameraman filming something happening just out of nowhere. To me, that's a lot more exciting, even if you don't get every perfect angle. Than throwing in people's faces, this is just cornball high schoolers making a funny YouTube video, taking advantage of their new editing software.
0: It's actually more realistic that The Miz would not cooperate at all with the cameraman, that he wouldn't give him those shots that he wanted, and we would just kind of have this idea that that's what was going on. But do you think, looking at it, not necessarily from the perspective of me and you and wanting a show that you or I can fully invest in the characters, do you think that at least... One reason why this might be is because there's an idea that it is easier for little kids to now cheer for Braun Strowman. Because obviously this is what I think to you, to, to me anyway, was clear for months and months and months and months and months and months and months that Braun Strowman is a good guy. Like, he just is. A, he's a good guy, and that's I, I understand that, like, he's 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 the classic monster bad guy, but looking at him in 2017 in the landscape that is the WWE right now, there's never been a doubt in my mind from the moment that Braun Strowman started gaining popularity. Not, you know, when he debuted, but when he started becoming this monster. And the build for him was as good as it has been because it really has been tremendous. I never, for a second, doubted that this is a good guy. He's obviously a good guy. But do you think it's easier to get kids who might not be looking at the intricacies to... Cheer for this guy that instead of being as scary as he was, we now have been told that he's been living in a garbage truck for eight days and, you know, he's being shot in this completely ridiculous way. Well,
2: yeah. I mean, if if they're going for, you know, a a 7 to 13-year-old audience Mm -hmm. and and they're willing to chase that at the expense of 18 to 49-year-old men who want to be able to watch WWE but not be worried about who might walk in the room while they're watching it, then that's a business choice. But I think you can get the kids by having Miz scurry out of, the, out of the backs of the locker room and a cameraman follow him with a shaky camera shot and you film inside the window of the limo instead of a, a dash cam. That shows, by the way, when you do the reverse angle, 5.30 p.m. on the clock, um, which people <laughs> are pointing out. So, I mean, you know, they, their attention to detail, it's just amateur hour. And and they they have a staff and they have the budget and they should care more. And as just as a courtesy to their audience, every other show that's had long runs as a courtesy to their audience says, we're going to respect the attention to well, detail. We don't want a, a boom mic hanging up on the top of the screen. And we don't want a clock. That's clearly wrong. The clock, the clock
0: a hundred percent, but in the way in the choice that was made, right? Because I don't necessarily think that it's not attention to detail. Cause it felt like clock aside, because it felt like the way this was portrayed was an obvious choice, right or wrong they chose to do this. Like the, right. the reason that the uh, portrayal wasn't realistic and wasn't set up the way you have it set up was because somebody chose not to do it. Not because they didn't think of it. Right. I, I will see. I wonder, I mean, I, I wonder if there
2: aren't, because I've talked, to enough people who've been part of WWE, where I think some of the things we're talking about don't cross their mind. They're like, well, everybody knows it's fake, so why wouldn't we want the best shot of Miz we can have? People know it's orchestrated. They know it's it's a TV production. We talk about it on podcasts and with the mainstream media. So why wouldn't we just get as creative as we can? We're not. We're not. When we do pre-tapes, we can use all these techniques that we that we're handcuffed not to use when we're filming in front of a live studio audience. So now we get to use all our full skill set. And I think they just it, like they don't think this is better because it'll attract kids if we get a better reaction shot of Ms. Curtis and Bo, mm-hmm. um, or or Braun through the windshield. I think they're just thinking cinematically. Now we're not handcuffed, and they don't think about the narrative structure of pro wrestling and how gotcha. I think. I think most pro wrestling fans prefer a product that feels like th- the same way Game of Thrones does. There's this world you're you're immersed in, and with pro wrestling, the the, the narrative structure is there's a announced team and a camera crew assigned to film something that would be happening anyway. And yeah. our job is to do our best job capturing it as it happens, but we don't know what's going to happen until it happens. And when you take that away, I think you shatter some of the immersion that fans, whether they think about it consciously or not, it makes them enjoy the product more. And by the way, you, you couldn't find a dump truck that was a, a garbage truck. That's the same
0: color. I noticed that he did move dump trucks.
2: Yeah. So like to me, even that, like it's a distraction. So Instead of make of telling people, Brown's been living in the back of the dump truck, you know, <laughs> for eight days, uh, or the garbage truck. I keep saying dump garbage truck. truck. You can you can have him pull up in a garbage truck that's different, but have him be the driver, and right. have him get out and open it up and look at Miz and point at him, and then point in the in the garbage truck, going, "You're next." Like I, in other words, there's, you can make some compromises without the ha ha, you know. He's been living in it for eight days, which isn't realistic. What are you really gaining from? doing something that's so slapstick in cornball what are you gaining compared to something that is still visually cool Braun's back but he's not in it he's driving it and he's saying miz you're going to be in this next like i think you can do that and, and basically have your cake and eat it too the kids are like yeah he's back but you don't have to sit here and start thinking wait a second was he in a dump was he in a garbage truck surviving for eight days and why is it a different color right so it's just yeah i don't know
0: yeah. and and but but you're right. The The idea that the, the garbage truck should be utilized. I think that the return of, of giant vehicles has been one of the things that's made this Braun Strowman run so great. You know, everybody yes, loved the ambulance yes. getting flipped over. Even though, you know, it is the second time that Braun Strowman has potentially died in a vehicle, it's still fun to see big things crash. And I don't oh, think that that's, that's lost on anyone.
2: No, no. And I mean, milk trucks, beer trucks. I right. mean, yes, I... I think it's good when they leave leave the normal setting, and I think it's good to do that uh, when when called for. I, I just think there's a way to do it with a little more finesse and 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 respect for what every other show has, which is a consistent narrative structure that I think is something that professional shows with budgets do for a reason. It's not passe. It's just the professional right thing to do. You don't just indiscriminately change narrative structures within a novel or a TV show and WWE does it. And I think they should be held to a higher standard.
0: I saw that you were critical last week of the way the sort of brand rivalry was launched and created, you know, perfectly. Oh, and by the way, I I was going to make, before I get into that, I was going to make mention. It's also important to note based on what you were saying before about how this idea that wrestling fans want to believe that they're watching something that is being filmed that would exist regardless. Twenty five years ago, when the concept of raw being the premier spot anywhere in the world for pro wrestling was launched, it was launched under the idea that uncut, uncut, uncooked, uncensored was the way to watch this product. And so you're right in the sense that, like you know, the the idea that you are so cognizant of the edits and the technique is what is what pulls you out of that concept. But I wanted to uh talk to you about how you were critical of the launch of this brand rivalry that was started pretty pretty evidently for the run of the of the launch of, of the of the build-up to Survivor series. That it, it just kind of wasn't here before the last pay-per-view, and then once that last pay-per-view is over and it's time to build the hell in a cell, it's time to it's time for these uh 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 brands to not get along anymore. Have you Warmed at all on this Raw versus SmackDown uh, story that's being told? I,
2: I think that whether it was always planned or a self-conscious attempt to close uh, some loopholes, that they've made some efforts to create more of a believable sense that there's pride in the brand, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm, I I am an I am happier after three shows after the under siege attack than I was at the time. I think they've closed some of the gap, but I don't think they've done so perfectly. And I still think that there, it it felt last second or lack, like you still have this notion that Shane McMahon, Shane is complaining about what Kane did to Daniel Bryan. And, you know, and I wrote this in my report on my website last night or Monday night. Shane doesn't have moral high ground, right? he, orchestrated a bunch of wrestlers invading somebody else's home um they weren't supposed to be there and gang attacked in in this in a situation that normally would be seen as a very heelish tactic uh innocent bystanders who merely had pride in their own brand and ex- apparently expressed so in, at some at, at, in some instances to shane's chagrin and they gang attacked people. Uh, mo- they had a huge group of people attack small groups of people who were, had their back turned, were nursing injuries or were not expecting a fight. And they attacked a guy in a headset who was just doing his job and destroyed property. And that, you just don't get to eight days later stand on a moral high ground about how Daniel Bryan went there to just explain themselves. Here's why five people attacked two people unprovoked. And here's why we attacked a poor guy in a headset. Um, I, I don't I don't buy it you know like I, I think they again needed to figure this out more so that the wrestlers we talk about narrative structure of a show there should be a constitution that guides every wrestler and, and the the writers the writing team Vince McMahon ultimately should re, should have that in mind you know is is the sense of Smackdown being slighted enough to cause you know Bobby Roode and Shinsuke Nakamura and New Day to act like thugs to right. act like uh, to, to break down the things that normally they'd be complaining about heels doing to try to win matches to close a gap in skill uh, because heels can't win fair and square and so they cheat. Uh, should they just drop all their moral, all their moral constitution and partake in something? This thought wasn't put into it. What they thought is this will make great TV. We'll do a hashtag. Yay, social media. Woohoo. This is going to be great. And we're going to create a buzz and it's going to be the, the shot in the arm that we need to get people excited about Survivor Series. And it felt last second And yes, it was exciting. It's sort of like, you know, I've said, uh, uh, as exciting as a six year old getting to eat cotton candy for dinner. It's like, (laughs) whoa, this is a special treat. But the next day you got a stomach ache and you don't have the energy you did and you had a sleepless night because you didn't get any (laughs) nutrition that night. And to me, Under Siege felt like binging on candy, because it tasted good at the moment or a bag of Fritos or a pint of ice cream. Oh, that was fun. And then you got this mess you're dealing with for the next couple of weeks trying to make logical sense of all the compromises that all these wrestling characters who normally act and are guided by a certain constitution have. And I talked to uh, Ziegler about it publicly on, on Twitter, and he kind of defended himself saying, hey, we are characters. Because Somebody else was critical of he and Bo- Bobby Roode fighting side by side. And so I got in the discussion and, and he said, hey, the my our characters are professional enough to not fight until the bell rings, even though we have rivalries. And now we're fighting side by side for a common cause. And that's fine. And there was a way to make it work. There was a way to do it to make it work. But the common cause can't include acting outside of your normal moral standards. And a bunch of baby faces did. Shane McMahon did to a degree. And you didn't have enough of a backstory. It came out of nowhere. And they shouldn't have beat up a guy in a headset. And they should have made sure people were looking at them face-to-face and it was two-on-two or one-on-one or three-on-three, not five-on-two hitting them from behind. So the, ex- it, the concept can work, build up to it, and then execute it where you're not breaking the, the constitution of the characters who were supposed to then get behind for other reasons the ele- other 11 months of the year.
0: Or even have a dissenting opinion, right? Like show up on SmackDown the next night and have one of your top good guys disagree with what happened. Or have or have Shane McMahon, I mean, have Daniel Bryan on SmackDown berating Shane McMahon. You know what I mean? Like, like, have a little bit more... And you could even, that way, build a little bit of tension. You know, have Shane McMahon captaining a team where maybe one of the big team members doesn't agree with what Shane did. And then, yeah. regardless of how Survivor Series goes, coming out of Survivor Series, you have that tension that's not just the typical... I'm the bad guy and you're the boss and I don't like you because you're not treating me right um and and I would have liked to seen during the siege uh, one or two or three
2: baby faces going whoa whoa to a heel who went too far sure you, know, you you have that moment of mob mentality and you know it's been studied there's college courses on it people study the psychology why do people do things outside of their character in a mob situation and you could have had something going on where you know again I'm, I'm gonna say names that weren't even there but you could have had AJ Styles interrupt New Day and go, hey, come on, man, that's too much. Or when a heel attacks a guy in a headset, you got Nakamura, you know, ch- check on the guy and look up at the heel going, what are you doing? You know, like, so you have the heels who are taking advantage of the mob mentality, and you have the babyfaces who thought, hey, we're here to make a statement, but we're not here to be thugs. And
0: and, and, and by and the so, way, you have, yeah. you, have, you, have, you, have, you could have Ziggler attacking a guy, right? AJ Styles says, hey, that's enough, Ziggler. The next week on, on SmackDown— Ziggler's saying, hey, AJ, weren't you wearing red when you wrestled on Raw this week?
2: Mm-hmm. Where do your
0: loyalties lie, AJ? You know, there, yeah. are, there are a lot of stories to be told because I kind of thought that that's maybe where they were going with AJ because I felt like with mm-hmm. the pay-per-view and Raw combined, AJ Styles felt like a move to Raw was inevitable, especially after that match on Raw the, the, the night after the pay-per-view. I watched that going... Okay, like AJ Styles is after two nights the most popular guy on Raw, uh, you know, a move is inevitable. But I feel like since I saw that, maybe that was something that his SmackDown teammates would see, and 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 while we're involved with all this rivalry, it'd be something worth bringing up. And all this stuff works a lot easier if you
2: can. It, it like all, goes all the way to the announcing, where you know you have Corey Graves on Tuesday night. In one segment early on, he's against a heel, doing something that is outside of the bounds. And then later on, he's, you know, I think it was Jinder Mahal. Oh, yeah, if you're a champion and you're on top of the mountain, you got to do what it takes to establish that you're going to stay there. But earlier in the night, he was against, I can't remember who it was, somebody doing something that was heel. Like, I don't think Vince McMahon, and this comes from the top down, values that. I think he values chaos, unpredictability, and and puts a value on
0: you never know what anyone's going to say or do. So is, and, that a, is that a is that a... Criticism of Graves, you're saying, is that it's not consistent. Yeah, I just think what would
2: make Graves, it can you can you ask in a fictional press conference? Let's yeah. say it mattered enough. If you're like, you know, he's like a coach of a team, and you you coach has a certain philosophy. I always go for it on fourth down if it's fourth and three or less. If we're in between this yard line and that yard line in the third third or fourth quarter, you know, like he just has philosophy, and then he just another game, he just breaks from it. What does the press do? They go, well, you have a philosophy. And you didn't follow it. Why? You would want the coach to have a good answer. Well, we had a couple personnel, a couple offensive linemen who were were hurt or tired, and I didn't trust them to block for the short run. Okay, great. Now we got an explanation. I don't see that when I watch Corey Graves announce right now. I think Corey's great, but I don't think what he's getting fed to say is great. Well, I and, think I
0: think Graves is is a little bit of an anomaly because I I feel like Graves isn't necessarily for the good guys or the bad guys. Traditionally, we'd be led to believe that this is a bad guy announcer. He's going to root for the bad guys. But he kind of just, and but he's consistent. Like, he won't root for uh, Baron Corbin one week and not the next week. He's got his guys that he always roots for. For instance, whether Enzo is getting cheered or booed, Corey Graves doesn't like Enzo. Whether, uh, uh, whether Elias is getting cheered or booed, Corey Graves doesn't like Elias. Whether Baron Corbin is getting cheered or booed, Corey Graves likes Baron Corbin. So I, I, I think in the case of Corey Graves, it's more just here's a guy who's got his opinions that don't necessarily line up. And maybe, maybe, maybe for the case of storytelling, the argument could be made that, well, then that's going to confuse the audience as to who they're supposed to support.
2: I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop short of endorsing arbitra- arbitrary, inc- arbitrary consistent inconsistency. <laughs> and so, like to me, and and what what it was is Corey Graves defended Baron Corbin's actions against Sin Cara uh-huh. on the same show that a half hour later, roughly, he was um uh, defended Jinder Mahal's actions against AJ Styles, and there wasn't a big difference in terms of I see. the sportsmanship. So I I, I just I, I don't like why I understand there's a history with Corey Graves and and uh, uh, Elias. And so they kind of play that up, and it's just, you know, kind of, haha, you know, they break from the norm. And, and so that's fine. If you have an exception now and then, it's just, oh, I personally, it just gets to me. It's a, you know, people have guilty pleasures, and then they have irrational hatred for things. And that's fine. You can play that up. But I just want, when I hear Corey Graves analyze a situation, at the core, there should be something that guides whether he is for or against it. And Jesse Ventura didn't say in one segment... Um, if the ref doesn't see it, it doesn't count. You do what you got to win. And then a half hour later go, he can't be proud of that victory. He cheated. Right. And that's what I feel we get too much from too many of the announcers. Byron Saxton, for all his meekishness is actually pretty consistent. You know, like he's the guy who kind of gets it. Mm -hmm. Um, Cole and Phillips largely do a better job now than I think a year ago in terms of standing up for the heel commentators. But JBL had the same problem. I mean, JBL is so I, that's where I think it's what you're getting fed in the headset. And you know you just have to look at the top and and you know who's directing things and 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 what the expectations are at this point. But again, this isn't about being anti WWE. This is about being pro wrestling fan. Yeah, I want wrestling fans to get the best product, regardless of the brand stamped on the show. And I just think it's a better situation when you think the care when when you see listen to Corey Graves and you go, I don't agree with this philosophy, but I, I, I he's consistent. And right. I think people respect that and politicians more than those who are inconsistent from week to week.
0: How about this – and and SmackDown has become – I don't want to use the word notorious because I don't think it's a negative thing. But SmackDown has kind of become famous, I guess, for taking guys who you would think are a write-off and turning them into something for the better or the worse. Like it, you know, different cases for different people, but they do this. And I am r- kind of shocked and not necessarily dismayed. I, I'm I'm certainly waiting this one out and seeing where it goes because I don't – it's not – I'm, it's not a bad thing. It's just a surprising thing to see after years. Sin Cara is now this kind of badass dude. And, you know, I think the inside, inside, this isn't even everybody on the internet, but the, the inside of inside fans who read everything have all heard the stories of Sin Cara being a legit badass dude backstage, I think. But that's not a well-known thing and the Sin Cara character has been specifically portrayed a certain way for a long time. So I mean I'm I'm kind of really surprised, especially this week. It was one thing when I was like, okay, what's why can't Baron Corbin beat Sin Cara? It was almost like, is this just kind of an exercise in humiliation? But after this week with the with the stuff they were doing on the outside of the ring, I was like, this is not this is not about Baron Corbin being weaker. This is about Sinkara all of a sudden being a whole lot stronger.
2: I This is where I love NXT. Be, and and I, I, I'm just like, I look forward to my 57 minutes, in, you know, give or take, of NXT every week. Um, because they do all this stuff so well, so much of the time, even though I think they're blowing it with Undisputed. Um, the Undisputed era. I, yeah. So far. But the, the, the structure, the narrative structure, the storyline, William Regal's portrayal of an authority figure, and I, I cite, as an example, Andrade Cien Almas with Selena Vega. So good. Al- Almas was soft. He was losing. He was a gatekeeper. People who knew the larger body of work said, in, in, in his ability to work, said, this this something's not right here. We got to change it. They didn't just have him show up in the same outfit and arbitrarily start being a badass who was winning. They said, we need a reason for fans to believe in. Give, I mean, that's my like mantra for pro wrestling is give fans a story to believe in. But make sure it's a good story. It doesn't have holes in it. And people will buy into it. They'll immerse themselves in it, and they'll love it. And and with Andrade, they had him link up with Selena Vega. And he was partying too much, wasn't taking things seriously. With, I mean, and he, I
0: think I think that that, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think that that, that is the key, right? Because if you look at that Andrade buildup, they noticed it, and then they let it, once they were like, okay, we know what the change we're going to make is. We're going to wait a month, though. We're going to let yes. this continue to be stagnant for a month so and that it will. Re- yeah, exactly. It out. Exactly. It out. exactly. Exactly.
2: And then you give a reason for him getting better and you tell that story. It's the same it's what, you know, Johnny Gargano, he's losing and right. on NXT this week. Will he get back on the winnings? They they take wins and losses and they turn it into a story. That's what I would say about Under Siege. If you know you're gonna do it, then I don't you don't have to go back eight months. That's expecting probably too much of a fifty-two week year, year after year, to five hours live a week production. And I get that. Um it's you know, it's people will say, well, it's not fair to compare us to, you know, Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones. They have years to create 13 episodes. I get that. And I have an allowance for that in my own mind watching. Of course, I think it's only fair. But if you know you're gonna do Under Siege, you should know that five, six weeks ahead of time and just plant some seeds, have a little bit more rivalry. It was unfortunate that Corey Graves was the only guy they felt could do, you know, a good job on color on both shows. It was unfortunate Tom Phillips took two weeks off at a time leading up to this, because you could have had the announcers being a little bit more, but you could have taken advantage of it and had Corey Graves, had Michael Cole go, hey, Corey, welcome back to Raw. Um, you, sure, you seem pretty enthusiastic about SmackDown last week. Right. Are your uh, loyalties fading? And, and Corey Graves can go, uh, no, he goes, in fact, there's a lot of good things happening over on SmackDown, but I got to tell you, when I talk to the wrestlers there, one thing that motivates them is watching Raw on Monday nights and trying to try to put in, put on a better show. Like Just little seeds like that for a month leading up to under siege Which, and then it feels more believable and less hot shot and that stuff NXT does in part because they have a different taping schedule but right. I would say have a meeting at WWE creative and Vince McMahon says we're gonna look ahead a little bit more often like we used to so we can create a, a backstory leading up to these things
0: Yeah, and, and, and when you really think about it when were these when would or could have these seeds been lied and those seeds were put down on Talking Smack, when that show still existed, because what you're saying about Corey Graves and being kind of called out on that is exactly what Daniel Bryan did when Renee Young would show up on a Raw. He would say, and not because we have a pay-per-view coming up because we have this, but in Daniel Bryan's, you know, wrestling head, because I don't think he was, if he was getting fed anything, I don't think he was spitting it out, (laughs) But, but... In his wrestling head, he goes, you know, regardless of if there's a pay-per-view coming up or whatnot, the idea here is that we're competing brands. So if I see my co-host, and I'm the general manager of SmackDown, having a good time on Raw, let me bust her Chops a little bit for it. Um, What do you think uh, about these teams? So as of SmackDown, uh, the SmackDown team is uh, Bobby Roode, Randy Orton, Shane McMahon, Nakamura, and... I would um I would get unless they throw a curveball and put Rusev in there, I would imagine it's AJ Styles because that's what the match on SmackDown is next week. I think, you know, Bobby Roode, Randy Orton, Nakamura, and A. J. Styles is a pretty outstanding team. But it goes to it goes to the rosters, I think, because something that's happened on Smackdown for whatever reason is that their biggest stars don't have championships. You know what I mean? Right. The, the, the yeah. big standout stars, and that's not the case on Raw. All, all the all the big stars on Raw do have championships, so they're going to be spoken for. Um, who do you see in this uh, in this Survivor Series match for Raw? Braun Strowman, obviously, and Kurt Angle. Um, I, I mean, there's Samoa Joe as yeah. a
2: possibility. There's Roman Reigns if he is back
0: in time. Um, you, heck, you even. You would think Finn Balor, except yeah. Kane beating up Finn Balor every week has almost made me be like, well, so then would you put Kane in that match? Because
2: I don't think you believably can put Kane in the same match with Braun. I mean, it would obviously turn it into a storyline, but I, I can't, I can't imagine them coexisting unless the whole point of SmackDown getting, they want to set up SmackDown for a win by having Kane and Braun brawl to the back. And then, you know, outnumber I, I, to me, you know, it's one thing for Dolph Ziggler to say, uh, you know, to me on Twitter, well, you know, I get along with Bo- I I coexist with Bobby Roode in the back. We're not fighting all the time. We wait for the bell to ring. We're professionals. Um that's not Kane and Braun. <laughs> you know, that's not their characters. I don't imagine them sitting around catering together um before then going to the ring to fight. That's right. not the, the the way their feud is portrayed or their personalities.
0: So, especially since Kane made Braun Strowman live in a garbage truck for 8 days. I I still
2: think maybe somebody should have like hit a button and let braun out
0: <laughs> like this presu- <laughs>
2: this presumption that there was nobody around to like open the back right is kind of silly too so um that's why i wish monday they just had braun be the driver you know like mm-hmm. and, and not go for the overly cute um oh, oh he was living there for eight days moment and just lose 10 percent of cuteness but gain 100 percent of credibility and tell a very similar story but it, i think samoa joe is a good badass to be in that match. And yeah. you can set up Ron babyface Joe Heel, and maybe plant some seeds for something between them too.
0: And then uh, hopefully Roman you would add.
2: Yeah. I mean, I hope he's back on his feet by then. You know, I mean, I, I, as of a couple of days ago, he still hadn't tweeted anything mm-hmm. um, other than a mention right before he disappeared saying he had a rough night. I don't know what that was in reference to. Um, but Bo was back. So if he was suffering from the same thing and he's back on his feet, that's a good... WWE's been so quiet about this it's it's like so secretive um you know what's going on and barely mentioning roman except when the shield comes out so i'm assuming they're doing that because out of sight out of mind next man up and we want when roman comes back for it to be a big surprise uh moment i i'm hoping and expecting he'd be healthy by survivor series but if not um you know then you are looking at oh do you have to put finn balor in after he's weakened or do you go with somebody who's more mid card
0: I mean, theoretically, you could. Th- we're not even talking about Bray Wyatt, who who has, yep. you know, all but disappeared. Or unless it's maybe you throw Sister Abigail in the match. I don't. I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I would think that's an option too. Uh, in terms of the top tier Raw wrestlers, he would be somebody else. I mean, I, I think Braun and Angle is seems like a better start than Shane and anyone, um, including Randy or AJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just the yeah, like. I mean. Not to pick on it too much, but Shane declaring himself team captain kind of didn't seem to go over in the building all that big of a deal. Maybe it was just the cadence of the promo. Um, I sort of wish his team appointed him. Like, you know, Shane goes, all right, who should we match up to be, the you know, talk with the four guys who qualified? Who should we match up next week to find out who the fifth man is? And I wish his, it's sort of like you don't keep yourself a nickname. Well, um, you know, it's,
0: wish- it's interesting. You know, who knows what, where this is going with Shane? Because, as you said— him going and invading Raw was a mean thing to do. It was not a good guy thing to do. It's now made it so that the beloved Daniel Bryan is out and on, you know, was was beaten up, which no fans want to see. The idea that, like, like, Kevin Owens' whole thing against Shane McMahon leading up to Hell in a Cell was that Shane McMahon wants to put himself ahead of everything and blah, blah, blah. If the Shane character... Is doing that, which he is. I mean, it'd be, it'd be tough to say he's not doing that. Leading to Survivor Series, yeah. who knows if after Survivor Series that isn't cashed in on, and somebody brings up the fact that Shane is starting to become the next, you know, Mister McMahon who is who's letting his power go to his head.
2: I, I like that, and if that's what they do, we can look back and say, oh yeah, this made sense. I don't. Uh, WWE hasn't instilled in me a faith that that based on kind of the way that they portray, you know, if, if you're, as Shane said, if you're in a fight, I've been taught to punch first, you know, he's trying to kind of explain what he did almost retroactively. Like, oh yeah, we can see how maybe that we got a little too enthusiastic about the the kind of mob mentality. And now we kind of explain ourselves in, in, in retroactively. And I see that going on. I don't, I don't sense it's part of a master plan, but I, I think it's intriguing and I don't think you can rule it out looking at what happened here. If if it is, if Shane orchestrated this and Daniel Brown's trying to clean up the mess and it's leading to Shane being a heel or having a breakdown turning heel or having some sort of breakdown or something, I think that's a good payoff for what we've seen. For the most part, I still think I would have liked to have seen baby faces step in between some of the, you know, five on one beat up a guy from behind, beat up a guy in headset behavior. Uh, but that aside, yeah, this could lead somewhere intriguing like that. I'm not sure. Looking at the landscape where that, where the payoff is, because Stephanie can't ever turn babyface. (laughs) She's too, uh, she's too effectively awful as a heel. And so you would have to have Triple H what? Turn babyface and break up with, like, not side with Stephanie? I mean, I guess you could go that route and have Hunter a face and Shane a heel in a match. Or you just don't worry about Shane's match in that sense. And you have Shane as a heel domineering SmackDown and trying to fire Daniel Bryan and Daniel Bryan sticking around.
0: Yeah. And then, and then have, yeah, you, it, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, you could you could have somebody from SmackDown step up. Like the ne- There's going to be another big Shane McMahon match, and, and we've now seen... So the AJ Styles thing leading to WrestleMania and the Kevin Owens thing leading to Hell in a Cell were like the same storyline. Yeah. So it is a unique take if you're going to have another Shane McMahon match, which I think we would almost guarantee we'll at least have one at WrestleMania, if not Royal Rumble, that... Maybe he even enters himself in the Royal Rumble, and that's that sort of catalyst that says, mm. like, okay, Shane, you made yourself the Survivor Series captain. You you let us all the, to to invade Raw. You got Daniel Bryan hurt. You did this. You did this. Now you're putting yourself in the Royal Rumble. It's too much, and you have some hero from SmackDown eliminate Shane. You tell you tell the same story that the the, the the bad guys have told, except this time it's true. So the guy telling the story. He's a good guy.
2: That's how we get Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn to turn babyface, a double turn. They've been right. Yeah, they were. They, and, yeah, and then and then you do Sammy Shane, but with Sammy as a babyface, Shane as a heel, and the fans get to cheer who they like.
0: You yeah. know,
2: because people like Sammy and Owens, but and especially perhaps together.
0: Plus, they don't they don't have to change anything. I mean, nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing has to change because because Sammy was right. From the exactly. beginning, all yeah, Sammy he didn't has really to do
2: turn heel. He got a little annoying, but right. he didn't actually do anything dastardly. Where you just look back and go, "I can't forgive." I can't remember what Hulk Hogan did when he like on Nitro when he barged into a trailer and threatened Elizabeth or something. And I remember writing at the time, "There's no way Hulk Hogan could ever be a babyface again after what he just did." It was like this, you know. Yeah. And I don't, I, I don't recall exactly the specifics, but like pro wrestling, we have a short-term memory. We forget certain convenient things and all that. Um, Sammy hasn't done anything that we'd have to forgive. like that is unforgivable. So if it retroactively, it's like, oh, now I understand his motivations. We were the
0: ones who didn't see through it and he did.
2: Yeah, that could be a fun story.
0: and and, and you know, if we can talk about things we, we like that's going on right now, I like I adore what Sammy Zayn is doing right now, the confidence, and the obnoxiousness that he has. They even just do it when he comes out and he's skanking and he's doing his dance. You know, like, like <laughs> the way he's doing it now, the way he's not, he's not ignoring, like he's not not acknowledging the crowd when he doesn't slap their hands or whatever, but he's just a little too self-righteous to acknowledge that the audience is trying to get a high five from him, which is so like, you know, it, it's just somebody who's really thought about this character and why and what he's doing out there i just i love sammy zane right now because he's not doing things that we've seen a hundred times before when a good guy turns bad he's doing what that character should be doing right
2: yes yeah Oh, totally yeah i, I love it it's and, and you, i mean you can just see owens and sammy have a chemistry and a history that they're playing off of a dynamic between them, where I mean, you could just imagine, like you could just imagine uh, a producer saying, "All right, Kevin, Sammy, just start talking, in character, you know, and method act, and we're going to start filming at a random point and stop filming at a random point in the next twenty minutes." Um, you could just imagine, you know, when the camera moves in, they're they're ju- this is just what they do, like it's believable that they would just be having this chat, and that's the best, you know, interactions when it doesn't feel like it's scripted and we're waiting our turn to say the right word. And we're combining two words like Bobby, Bobby Roode did Tuesday. Cause in our mind, you know, we, we get the words a little mixed up cause they're po- totally memorized. Like you don't have that sense of unnaturalness with Sammy and, and Owens because they're so believable, believably playing believable characters.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I just, uh, I really enjoy it. Well, uh, I, uh, I look forward, and and you know, the other great thing, the thing that's great about wrestling is that like we're saying here, like we're theorizing what could happen with Shane McMahon and where this could go. Moments that we don't like can always be made sense of later with the right writing. Like we can, like you said, you can short attention span, you can forget the specifics of something and just kind of write around it so that it it does lead you to this place that you want to go. And whether you intended to go there or not, I don't think is ever, or personally should ever. I don't care. Like, I think that more often than not, when something bad leads to something good, the narrative is, you see, we knew where we were going the whole time, and, <laughs> and that's not true. It's just like, you know, we had to dig ourselves out of a hole, and WWE can be really, really great at digging themselves out of a hole. So uh, I, I think that the, that's why I never lose... That's why, you know, when I, when I do this show, it tends to be optimistic because you can, you can figure out your way out of almost anything. If you want to get out of it, sometimes they don't, they just decide this is what we're doing and this is what we want to do. And that's cool. That's their prerogative. But, but if you realize like, oh, I intended this to go a little better and there are plenty of examples of it, you can always figure out a way that it was all worth it in the end. You know,
2: I respect somebody who falls into a hole that was well camouflaged and they hadn't fallen into a hole before in that area and they didn't know there were holes. Right. More than the person who's staring at their iPhone, blindly walking, falling into hole after hole after hole and digging themselves out. Nah, another hole. Sometimes I think WWE is staring at their iPhone, falling into holes when they should be looking where they're going. And then when they dig themselves out, yes, you get credit for digging yourself out, but I kind of would prefer they just, Pay a little more attention to the to the to the overall scheme of things going in, and and part of that is just I harp on it that 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 respect for the narrative structure, the constitution of characters, do what every other TV show does that's scripted that they like to compare themselves to. But that said, part of the fun of watching WWE that's it. Is, is seeing them with their follies and foibles and and uh, faults, trying to do the Paul Heyman three alliteration thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, yeah, it's go turn chicken into chicken salad, that's and it. and so. I mean, of course, I mean, part of being a WWE fan as a grown up who's immersed in it and kind of understands the way things work. And you you actually kind of can tell like the fan who can tell you if attendance is up 10 or 20 percent or down 10 or 20 percent and did, you know, and can break down whether the record revenue that Stephanie's breaking about on Twitter is really tied to a single decision made in the last nine months or not. um, Those types of fans who look at it through that lens, which we do. It is fun to watch a company with the ability to absorb mistakes, and then watch if they are creative and and work hard and are self aware enough to dig out of it, and sometimes they end up with a better situation than they would have otherwise. I still think you're better off not closing your eyes when you're swinging at the ball. <laughs> the you know, uh, but but sometimes when you hit the ball when your eyes are closed, it's kind of fun to see what happens next.
0: Well, listen, if you're uh, if you're a fan of pro wrestling analysis, I recommend uh, Wade Keller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. It's on Podcast One. Uh, and it's great. It's, is it, is it five days a week?
2: Uh, four days. The free show is four days a week. So we just do a post, a post raw show. It drops at about 3 a.m., you know, five hours after Ryan's Uh two or four hours. And then uh, we do a post SmackDown show, talk to someone on site, who is in the building every show and uh, answer emails and analyze the show just like you and I have done here. Then I got the flagship on Thursday where we just do a broad array of topics and then uh, Friday interviews. And I got ex uh, creative team member Dave Lagana on this week talking. Oh, that's great. You said at the beginning of the show, you know, would we get into the kind of the, the lay of the land and and if it's right for competition. And that's exactly what uh, because Dave is now NWA vice president with Greg right. Corgan. So we, we talk about the lay of the land um, on this Friday's interview, Friday show.
0: And, you know, I'll tell you something about what Dave Lagana is doing, because I looked at uh, at, at the videos that the, the new NWA is putting out kind of yes. is showing everybody who their champion is. And I have to tell you, like at first I was like, I, I mean, I don't know. I have never I've literally I I consider myself a very big wrestling fan. I had never seen that man before in my life. I did not know <laughs> who he was, and he's the NWA champion. And I'm like, I don't know what this Same is. Storm. Yep. Yeah, and I thought it was going to be this thing of like, look at what a big, powerful dude this is. He's so important, and I wasn't going to buy it at all. But I'm watching the webisodes that they're putting out every week, and they're I I they are I'm invested in this man I'm invested in his story I love that they're not hiding the fact that he's got a day job I love that they're not hiding the fact that that it, that it took him you know decades to get to this place that it's not this glamorous thing that it once was but, but that he and I think the reason it works is because it's real life that he takes it as seriously as as Ric Flair took it like he to him at least the way he portrays it in these videos, it's as serious as it ever has been. And he's not sitting there in the videos being like, well, you know, I wanted to get to WrestleMania, but this is good in the videos. He's saying, this is my dream. I never want to not be the NWA champion, which it is. And they're so they're slick and they're well-produced. And, and it, it kind of, it makes me care about, about him.
2: I, I agree. I mean, I, I the, the idea you had the same experience I did and, and by the end of a, four minute video and a six minute video. Yeah. Um, And people, you know, just YouTube NWA Tim storm. I mean, I think it should pop up if you, if you uh, look for it. Um, it, It's worth your 10, 11 minutes to watch those two. And I think a new one just came out. I got the email earlier uh, with uh, Billy Corgan uh, in it now. So I think they're doing a really nice job. They're not expecting you to commit a lot of time to it, but I think there's, you know, and and Dave Lagana, I talked about it. There's a lot to be learned from that kind of presentation where I, I care about what happens next in Tim Storm's career, based on two, you know, roughly five-minute YouTube videos, and and I, I think that's something that isn't done often enough, um, in other companies. I mean, we we saw it with uh, Roderick Strong at NXT. We saw it, you know, ten years ago with Robert Roode go- going into a Bound for Glory uh, when he was a babyface before he turned heel. I mean, like you can make people care about you know an ordinary everyman, and you can do it in a really effective way, and set that as a platform to then get a heel over. Or to do a heel turn, at which TNA did, I think, mistakenly with Robert Roode. Um, but they didn't do it with Roderick Strong yet. But it seems like they're headed that way. So you can set it up that way too. But whatever it is, I, I liked, I liked the videos and I like what they're doing, and I, and I'm intrigued. You know, Billy Corgan's a creative, successful guy who has a vision. Dave lagana has been everywhere. I mean, yeah, ECW, WWE, ROH, TNA, and now NWA. Plus, he wrote for Friends. So I, I'm I'm curious to watch this this journey. They've got the money to take their time and do it right and doing a weekly studio show next year that people can watch live is pretty cool. So in this changing landscape, Sam, you know it, you're on the cutting edge with all you're doing. Um, there's so many ways to reach wrestling fans and Mm -hmm. you know, Corgan and, and, uh, Dave are looking at this as, all right, let's, we don't have USA network. So what are we going to do and how are we going to do it? And I'm intrigued to see where it goes.
0: We'll check out, definitely check that out on Friday then, uh, over at podcast one. And, uh, Wade, you know, I always appreciate the time. Thanks for thanks for doing the show today. Sam, happy to do it anytime, and it's always great when you're on my show, too. Awesome, and we will see you next week. Goodbye, everybody.
2: Thanks for listening. Thanks for
1: listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter,
2: Instagram,
1: Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.